either. I want to teach and then save enough and spare enough and go back. We've got plenty to say. But we go into the seventh chapter tonight, and back in the seventh chapter, and I want to look at this and uh, mention a few things that I think sometimes, and I may or not have maybe explained it correctly enough, and uh, I, I want to make this clear. These things that I think about when I get out of the pulpit and go home, and, and then over the course of a week, I think of things that uh, I didn't cover, that I should have covered, and then... Uh, Sometimes I forget uh, by the time I come back, I need to cover it. So we're just playing by ear and asking the Holy Spirit to direct us. But in the seventh chapter, I want to kind of make this clear and put it out together. Uh, these image, this image in chapter 2 and these beasts in chapter 7 is speaking of the same thing uh, one from man's standpoint and the other from God's standpoint. And I hope you, I think I've made that clear and I hope you got that fixed in your mind. And uh, they're similar, but they're not the same. And these are talking about kingdoms on the earth. We do know that we're under Gentile rule. We are under the days of the Gentiles. The days of the Gentiles actually started at the 70 years of the captivity of Babylon, the Babylonian captivity. They didn't have that before then. The reason it is, and I think I've made myself clear a time or two, or maybe you have mentioned it, I don't know where I made it clear or not, that there was the reason that the Babylonians the reason that the Jews had to go through the Babylonian captivity was because of sin that they had broken on the Sabbath and they had, weren't honoring God. Now, the Jews have been a sinful people. Now, I'm going to mention this tonight, and you don't get people out in the public to talk about this. If they do, they talk about it in the wrong manner. You see, we've got so much confusion. I've been studying the Bible for 60 years, I've been preaching it for 50-something. But I started as a teenager. God saved me when I was 12. And I've taught, I didn't teach much in, in the Bible until I was up about 20. And I taught Sunday schools before then, but then after that, God called me to preach, and I've been preaching. So I'm a familiar enough with my Bible, at least for 60 years, of studying the Word of God. And I'm not bragging, I'm not even boasting, I'm just trying to say, uh, I can't see where they're getting this stuff. They're reaching out to some here and some there. Somebody sent me a little text today and said, listen to this fella. Uh, he makes good sense. And so I looked at it, and when I seen who it was, I didn't even go to it. Because I know what he teaches, and I know where he gets his stuff, and I knew there's no sense me a waste in my time because he's got the church and the Jews mixed all up together. He don't believe in what I told you about Sunday in the, uh, the Jewish and the church and the church is taking the Jews, not the replacement theory. He don't believe that. He just puts it together. And he don't say that we are we're taking the Jews' place. He just says, well, we all now are, you know, the people of God. 
Well, we are, but you've got to separate those. And he believes that the church is going through tribulation. He believes it's going to be a mid-trib thing. Well, now, you can have that belief. Believe it what you want to believe. I don't make you, I'm not making you trying to believe anything I'm teaching or preaching here. But I want my Bible right straight out in front of me and I want it to, I heard something Oliver Green said today. And I appreciate Brother Oliver Green. He, he anchored me in the doctrines of the Word of God. But he made a statement about prophecy that I used to preach and teach just like he does. But when I got into the scriptures deeper, I found out that's not correct. Amen. And I mentioned it here the other day about it. And, that's, and I, it was something I'd just come, you know, out of the scriptures found and got uh, fixed up on it. And I won't, I won't preach that again. It's kind of like that thought, thought I was. The Lord's coming as a thief in the night to steal his bride away. Amen. He don't steal something he already purchased. He's not a thief. He's just coming like a thief. A thief comes when you're not expecting it. That's what it is. Amen. If you know the thief is going to break in your house, you'll be there waiting on him. Amen. So anyhow, I want to look at some things tonight. We want to go back to this just a minute. I have some uh, real touching parts about the Word of God and how that God unfolds it. It's the greatest book I've ever read. I've never found a book that compares to the Bible. You won't either. Now, there's some people read little old novels and little old things, and they're proud of those things. But you see, Israel had never been in captivity except when they got themselves in it. They were in, captive, uh, in, in captivity to Egypt. They was in Egypt for 400 and. 30 years. Remember that? Do you remember how they got in Egypt? Amen. Uh, we know that Abraham went to Egypt, but, uh, you know, down there, but actually got there through Jacob and Joseph and all those when they sold. And, amen. But we also find uh, that they went down there because of famine. That's what Abraham went for. He went for famine. Physical things in this world will cause us to do things sometimes that's contrary to the Word of God because we don't stop. We're more interested about our stomach, our mind, our pocketbook, our house, our habitation, whatever we have, our uh, occupation. And so sometimes we deviate from the Word of God, amen, just to satisfy and put us in a different location and to do things. But we know that they ended up in Egypt. They didn't plan to go to Egypt, but they stayed down there too long, 430 years. And if you stay in the wrong place too long, it's going to catch up with you. Right? Amen. You can, Egypt's type of the world. You can't be a Christian and live in the world. You can't act like the world. You can't be like the world. We're to be separate. God tells us that. And the world should see a big difference in you, and you should see a big difference in the world. 
But if you get the place that the world looks about like you and you look about like the world, either the world has got spiritual or you've got worldly. Anybody? Can I get one little bitty amen right there? Okay. Now, that's how we got to check this out. So we got to check ourselves. And so God had to go down and deliver. He had to go down and deliver, and God picked him up a man by the name of Moses, spared him. God knows how to pick his men. Amen. Ain't just anybody can work and live for God. I mean, he'll always pick somebody that's saved, loves him, and he don't even have to be a real smart cookie. God can make him smart. He just needs to have the power of God, and that's what God does. Now, what I'm getting at, and I've drug it for a little bit here, is here comes a Babylonian captivity. Everything seemed to be going all right for the Jewish people, to them, but not to God. You may think your life tonight is correct. You may think you're getting close to the top of the line and God blesses you and he does bless you. Matter of fact, he blesses us whether we deserve it or not. And I know that. But just sometimes we get to the spiritual atmosphere and time in our life that we think we're pretty good. But when we are thinking that, many times God thinks us we're not too good at all. He did that and showed it through the Israelites for years and years. They, he told them not to have idols. They built altars um, uh, for God. And then they deviated from that and built themselves some idols. The, the people that were worldly, that did not follow God, built idols and groves, which is a little space, a place where that they worship their gods. And Israel did that. God told them to go down to Canaan land. When you get down to Canaan, when you get into that land, you kill every one of those ites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and they got a little bit of Baptist inclination about them and decided that they'd just put up with them instead of killing them. So they made leagues with them, went in business with them. That's not what God wanted. God said, you kill them. There'll be thorns in your flesh if you don't. Next thing you know, here comes the big giants like uh, David had to fight, Goliath. The Philistines come around. And next thing you know, they're slaves to them. God would raise him up one and deliver them out. Look at the book of Judges, for instance. I'm giving you something to, to come up with the bottom of the, of the bo- bottom side of Daniel. So what's happened, God would deliver them out to have a judge. The people would go out and do what they wanted to do at the end of the book of Judges. They were doing that which was right. 
in their own eyes. Now, do you think you can do that? Unless you're spiritually up to par, full of God and full of the Holy Ghost, I don't think you can do that which is right in your own eyes. Because what's right in my eyes may not be right in God's eyes. And so that's how it went. That's why people asked for a king. They wanted some kind of leadership. God says, I am your king. That's what he actually was teaching them. God wanted to rule man. Man don't want God to rule him. That's the way it goes. Now, I'm giving you a, a rounded version tonight of the whole Bible. I'm not trying to change it. It's there. And I'm not talking about a translation of the Bible either. I'm talking about this. That the Israelites would walk out on God. God would bring them back to, into par. And then when everything is all right and is living, there's peace in the land. They would go do what they wanted to do again and they'd get under captivity. God had sent them another judge, deliver that, deliver them out, set them free. They'd get back in again. It's the same thing that you've had all your life. You get on fire for God and the devil puts your fire out. You get on fire for God again and the devil puts your fire out. God does something to wake you up, taking one of your loved ones, uh, giving you bankruptcy or whatever, taking your possessions like he did Job, but that was, Job was for the glory of God. But you see, we get on the bottom. And then we get on the top again. And now we, it's just, that's the way my life's been. That's the way your life has been. No need trying to tell me you've been on the mountaintop all your life. I won't believe you. I'm not going to tell you that because I'd be lying to you and I know it. We are sinful creatures. I can give you and I, can, I won't go to it tonight, but I could go in the book of Romans and I could show you that Paul said, what I do, I don't want to do, but I do it. I would, I, I desire to do right and I end up doing wrong. That's basically what he said. I'm doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. We're failable creatures. The reason is we get our mind and heart and eyesight off the Lord. The further we get away from God, the more we'll do for the devil. The more we get our mind on God, the less we'll do for the devil and the more we'll do for God. You said, I already know all that. I'm reminding you because I'm leading to something that comes up to the book of Daniel. Now, let me just mention this to you. Daniel was doing pretty good, I'd say, in Judah. Let's go to the first chapter of Daniel. And I want to look at verse number one. Chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, you may not remember Jehoiakim, but he was the king of Judah. He was the Israelite king. This is before they're taken 
to the Babylonian captivity. Matter of fact, it's right there at it. And it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Now when you read that, the next verse tells us, And the Lord, I want to point that out, gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the, his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Now do you see what happened? God gave the king of Judah, of Israel, into the hand and the king of Babylon. God can set us down. God can raise us up. Depends on us. Somebody said, oh, God is my destiny. No. Amen. You're your destiny. Don't blame God for that. If you haven't been blessed, it's because you haven't made yourself blessable. That's not a good English word. And if you have been blessed, it's because you have been putting yourself in the place where God can lay his hand on you. Now, what I'm going to give you this, I'm looking in the book of Daniel at a young man. I don't know when he lost his mother, but he lost her. I don't know when he lost his daddy, but he lost him. I don't know where he had any siblings, brothers or sisters. It don't record it. But I do know that Daniel was taken from Israel or Judah. It's two, it's two places. Israel was divided into two sections. And uh, you'll, you'll find that. It was the southern and the northern section. I'm going to get into that tonight. And what's happened now, he's been brought to the land of Babylon. Daniel did have a good raising, I will tell you that. You can't read much out of the, out of the, uh, out of the book of Daniel and not find out that Daniel had a good raising. The first chapter alone will tell you that Daniel knew God. Daniel walked for God. Daniel talked for God. Daniel talked to God. He was a man of prayer. And so he looks at that. Matter of fact, he purposed in his heart that he was not going to be defiled with the king's meat nor drink the king's wine. Amen. I'm just not going to defile myself with that. So he is a separated man. He was a man who is dedicated and consecrated. God don't use people, but who, those who are sanctified, dedicated, consecrated, separated from the world. You can't piddle around with the world tonight and ask God to bless you. Well, you can, but you ain't going to get the answer. You won't. You can't hobnob with the wicked of this world. Amen. Can you imagine me running with the Catholic priest 
and the Presbyterians and they're all my good friends. I have a hard time running with the Baptists. And a lot of Baptists I don't want to fool with. I have a hard time running with the Pentecostals. It's not, you said, I got some good Pentecostal friends. That's because you ain't taking a stand for God either. You love them Pentecostals? I used to love them real good till I found out there were cults. Now, you wouldn't admit that because they're good friends. They speak in tongues and they do believe that you lose salvation. But I can, I can handle that, preacher. I can handle that. Okay. If you can handle that, you can handle some other things. And you need to separate from that. I want to tell you. I hear a preacher say, uh, if, if, you, if you hold on and hold out and endure to the end, you'll go to heaven. That's the last sermon I'm going to listen to them. Matter of fact, I'm going to get myself in trouble because I'm going to approach them. And I'm going to say, where do you get that in the Bible? Now, used to, I didn't do that, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. I hobnob with them, didn't know I was hobnobbing. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I thought, well, they believe. I used to say something like this. I can put up and tolerate that, but they better not get down to telling me that the blood of Jesus Christ don't save. Actually, they did. They didn't come out and say that. But I trusted Jesus Christ and his blood and he saved me. Now I've got to do the best I can to live to keep it. What's that? Uh-oh, getting quiet in here tonight. You understand what I'm saying? Then what you're doing, they're giving you doctrine. If they tell you that you've got to hold on, hang in, hold to and stay with and keep up, and you've got to be careful and not do anything wrong, if you sin, you'll lose your salvation. Then I ask them, what kind of life do he give you? Oh, he give me eternal life. Well, isn't eternal life something that's going to last for more than a year? More than a lifetime? Isn't eternal life it literally what it says? Eternal? No end to it? Well, you know the Bible says that you've got to keep this and keep that. And they start twisting scriptures. I don't run with that crowd. That's why I'm a, I'm a breed of my own. Amen. That's why I don't have many friends. Amen. I can just tell I'm a, I'm a getting in a briar patch right here. I just feel the Spirit of God telling me this. Some of you are not paying much attention to who you're running with. Amen. Suppose me and the Church of God preacher somewhere... You've seen us out eating dinner every day or once a month. Or You don't even see me doing that with many Baptist preachers. There's a lot of Baptist preachers I won't do that with. 
because they don't preach the truth. What they, oh yeah, you said, oh, I know certain, I know two or three Baptist preachers, every one of them preach the truth. And I, I'll say this, I agree with you. They preach the truth of what they want to preach. But they won't preach the whole counsel of God. You tell them, show you what a certain portion of Scripture gives and get, get their opinion of what it says. And you'll get them Baptist preachers a hum-hawing, uncomfortable. And they'll probably say, I don't know. I'll get back to you. Well, that's all right if you don't know. And I have to do that every once in a while. But most of the time I get asked questions, I can tell you the answer to it. I've been there. I've done had it asked to me a hundred times. You understand? Now, what are you getting at, preacher? This right here. Daniel was raised with a good raising. Can I ask you how old Daniel was? Uh, the Bible don't actually tell you the age that Daniel was when he went to went down into Babylon. But what did I give you? When I was on that out of the first chapter, do you remember? About seven. Huh? Was about seven. No. Nine. No. Look at Daniel was around fifteen to sixteen or seventeen. I don't know, but I do know this: that the events of Daniel took a. a a whole space of 73 years to write. And Daniel was in Babylon the whole 70 years. And I imagine the 73. So he had to start off young. I do know and believe in what most preachers preach and tell and people say they know some of this stuff. It don't tell you when Daniel was born. It don't even tell you when Daniel died. At, I'm talking about a date. But it does tell you, and uh, you can work it out from the 70 years, say this takes 70 years, and if he was 15 years old, he was around 85 years old, when the Babylonian captivity was over. And I'm just guessing at that. What that, that don't really mean nothing. It don't really give you no doctrinal points. It don't really. I'm just trying to show you that Daniel went to Babylon at a very young age. He could have went at 10, could have been 12. But most folks hold the idea that he's around 15 when he went there. And he stayed in that captivity. So he was a young man. He wasn't somebody that was a real mature individual when he went there. Now you may think tonight that a 15-year-old boy, that's what I call him, or a 15-year-old man would be at the height of his mental capacity and of his spiritual life. They just You just don't see that today. And I don't know about Shadrach, Meshach, of course that's the worldly name of them. I don't know how old they were, but I believe they were young. 
But he had given himself over to the work of God because we counted in the first chapter that he was put in charge uh, by the prince of the eunuchs. He's a, they had taken him over. So whether Daniel was a eunuch and the four Hebrew children were eunuchs, I don't know. That's A eunuch is, you know, a man that's been fixed or eking out children. And so Daniel was looking, from what I see from Scripture, one of those. And there's a ways of doing it. Sometimes they became eunuchs in the Bible on their own to give themselves over to God's kind of like, uh, I start to say Muslims, not Muslims. It's, uh, what is that? They, they, some monks. Monks, you know, they'll, do like like uh, monks, and then you've got um, uh, the women. They call them what are they? Huh? Nuns. Yeah. So, and of course, I'll put stock in that. And I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm just telling you tonight that Daniel went down there. He was an educated man in the Lord, and he had determined his heart. He wasn't going to drink that wine, and he wasn't going to eat. The king's meat. Because he knowed he's not supposed to eat anything that was strangled or anything that was offered to idols. And in those days, they did that. That was one of the... And Daniel said, I refuse to do that. They didn't kill him. But they put him to a test. And he come out on it. Now what I'm trying to tell you is, where did he get all his knowledge? Where did he get all his understanding? Where did he get the business of being able to interpret dreams? It's the same place tonight that we get anything that's good. Somebody said, I can't do that. I can't learn that. I can't comprehend it. Oh, you can. Amen. Get your Bible and get down on your knees and say, God, I don't know much about this blessed book. But oh, God, I'm not talking about now, Lord, lay it on me. I mean, you know, come flying over in a helicopter and dump it down on my roof and I'll try to scrape it off the roof and get it. That ain't what God wants. He's wanting you to open that book. He's wanting you to read it and he's wanting you to say, Lord, show me what this is. And if I don't need to know today, Show me that. And find you a simpler verse and start reading it. And I'm telling you to cut that television off and go to read your Bible. That's what you expect me to do. So I'm going to tell you, I expect you to do it. And I got right. Amen. Learn all you can learn. Amen and amen. So what happened? Next thing you know, Daniel was in a strange country. He was in a strange culture. He was in a strange bunch of critters. He was around the Chaldeans and they didn't know God. They probably cursed like a sailor, lived like the world. He probably didn't hear good things at all. 
He heard wicked things, no doubt. And God said, he's my man. So what happens? Let me ask you this. Suppose somebody would give you a dream. Now, we're not walking after dreams today, and you heard I preach about that. A lot of people think we still do, and I don't argue with them about that. They'll get to heaven and find out. But I'm going to tell you something. If you, somebody had a dream and they say, can you tell me the, def, uh, the interpretation of what I dreamed last night? What would you do? Oh, no. I ain't an interpreter of dreams. But what if it's going to kill everybody around you, including yourself? What would you do? You'd start seeking God like you've never sought Him in your life. I'm watching things in America and around the world tonight and I'm asking God to show me the answers to these things because I'm seeing things I ain't never seen before and I can't figure it out. And I know it's in the Bible. I just don't know where it's at. Somebody give me just a little bitty amen. All right. Because see, you don't know. I didn't know that is in there. Why not? I don't understand if you're 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, 21, 30. But look at us. My hair's gone. What's left's gray. I've been around a while. I ought to know more than what I know. You said, Preacher, I didn't come here for that tonight. Maybe that's what the maybe you're just the ones God wanted here tonight to hear this. All right. But I'm saying, I look at Daniel. Now, let me give you this. When we got to the second chapter, Nebuchadnezzar saw had a dream. He prayed. He went and got what the world hunts all the time, the magicians and the astrologers, and the wizards, and the necromancers. Looked at the stars. Tried to find what they wanted to know where they didn't have the answers. Daniel come around and they said, what's wrong? We're going to kill them all. We're going to take them all out. They don't know what they're doing. Daniel said, let me get a shot at this. Give me a little time to talk to my God. And he went in and talked to the Lord. He didn't know the dream. He wasn't there with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar didn't even know the dream. He said, how do you, how do you know he knowed what it was when he heard? Hey, do you think tonight if you dreamed a dream and then you forgot it, and then when somebody revealed, do you think that, oh, I said, that's, that's the dream, that's it, that's it. It come to you, wouldn't it? So God told him and he went over there and explained it. And so Nebuchadnezzar knew that there's something different about this boy. There's something special about this man. He's not like my, my magicians and my astrologers. He's not like my soothsayers. He's not like all them. There's something different. And he recognized that 
He had a different God. Now we get to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel has a dream. Basically on the same format. Now I'm leading to something. In chapter 7, it's beast. And when you get to the book of Revelation, it's beast. It was metals in chapter 2. And it represented the Babylonian Empire. We get to chapter 7, it had animals, and we talked about those in, in detail, and we're going to get some more of it. Not tonight, but we're going to get some more of it. And it's still talking about uh, kingdoms. Now, I've talked about that there's going to be like, the, and, and it's like these kingdoms. But I want to, I want to get this across to you. We're not going to have a Babylonian kingdom in the tribulation. Our Medo-Persian kingdom. We're not going to have a, a Grecian per, uh, kingdom. We're not going to have a Roman kingdom. These have been, God just let Daniel use that to show you that we can compare our history books with the word of God and know that these have already been and he broke it down to where we can understand it. If you studied history at all, if you studied all those things, you know there was a Babylonian empire. You know there was a Medo-Persian empire. You know there was a Grecian empire. And you know there was a Roman empire. Now the Roman empire, we, uh, I've always just said it's, it, it, it hasn't got rid of completely, but we don't have what they call the Roman Empire now. But we've always leaned to the business of Rome coming back in charge. And we do that because of the, uh, about the uh, uh, Babylonian whore that's talked about in Revelation. And so we look at that, and I'm not going to get into that tonight. So when it comes over and gets these again and goes back through these again, God is saying these are typical of what the Gentile world is going to do when the tribulation starts. I want to throw this at you and uh, I'll try to find a place to quit. Let's go to the book of Revelation chapter number 6. I was on this the other day. You remember the first seal? The first seal is found in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. The seals. Matter of fact, if you study the fifth chapter, you find out that the seals, the sealed book, brought a lot of commotion in heaven. And most of you probably don't know the significance of the seven-sealed book. But I'll get to that. Not tonight. But he says that when it's open, you have the white horse coming out. And uh, Daniel says that they're going to, that Antichrist is going to be coming out. He's on the white horse. White always represents peace. And he's going to give a covenant with a Jew. And it's going to be a false peace. And the Bible says in the midst of 
in the midst of that covenant, he's going to break it. And that's three and a half years. So peace will be on the earth for that three and a half years. And then comes out the second uh, seal when it's open and it's the red horse. And the red horse has got a sword and he's going to take lives. So that's going to happen at the last half of the tribulation. People are going to start dying. Then it's going to happen right after that, the third horse, which is a black horse, and it's going to be pestilence and uh, not just pestilence, but um, food problems. Have you noticed in the last year or so that people are talking about starvation more than they've ever talked about it? Yes. You know why we're hearing that? We're getting closer. Amen. And then the last one that rides out is the pale horse, and it's death, and hell follows it. And uh, that's when a fourth part of, he's going to have power to take uh, lives of the fourth part of the earth and to kill with a sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. And I believe these three will open up pretty quick, come out. They'll be in the last half of the tribulation. I'm using them because this is in comparison to the beast. See, the Lord teaches us that in verse 2, And I saw and behold a white horse. Well, let's go back to verse number 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four what? Beast. Now you'll find them four beasts in the fourth chapter and, uh, and the fifth chapter. And so you, he calls them beast all the way down through there. And uh, so he's giving you the interpretation of what Daniel's given us. So we go on, and I'm not going to go further in this thing because I'll confuse you just about how now. I'll confuse you even more, and I'm going to try to come back and clarify this. But if you get further into the book of Revelation, you're going to find out that it's going to get terribly rough on the earth. Remember I told you, first three and a half years is going to be tribulation. The last three and a half years is going to be great tribulation. Would you go back with me? And I want to look in, in the book of Revelation chapter 6. I'm... I think you turned away from it and let you get back there. I want you to go to the sixth seal. This is something to think on you can go home with. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake. I look that word great earthquake up and you'll study it from the word of God. And it's a great earthquake. A tremendous earthquake. An earthquake like has never been. You said, how do you know? Well, let's read on. Lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. It's going to change the axis of the earth. Cause the sun, now this is not the end of this thing. 
to be black as sackcloth and, and hair, and the moon became his blood, and the stars of heaven fell. I'm going to explain all that, not tonight. And the heavens, in verse 14, is going to depart as a scroll, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Do you see that? Mountains and islands are going to move out of their places. Never seen that on the earth, have you? I've, heard, I've seen it in other times and places. And the Bible said in the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. This is the wrath of God. That's why I preach on this and get more and more preaching on it because I don't want nobody to face this stuff. And if they're not saved, they're going to see this. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. You know, there's a place in Revelation says they want to die and can't die. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Now that's what Daniel's been trying to tell us all the time. And we don't even we not even got to the ninth chapter. We've not got to the eighth chapter. We're going to skip a past that probably next week, and we're going to start picking up that and come back to the seventh chapter at a future point because it, it fits in, and I got a place to put it when we need to teach it. And God's given us a lot. Let me tell you. Prophecy is something we need to tell more about than we've ever told. Nobody knows it. They don't want to study it. That's right. But it's as plain as a nose on your face. Actually, it's a book that is self-explanatory. Don't explain itself to me. That's because you're reading into it. You don't read into it. I take it literal. Amen. And uh, some things are symbolic. I realize that. Amen. And we'll, go, we'll, we'll take it the way it is. If God says that the sixth seal is opened and there's a great earthquake, how do you take that? Do you think God knows what an earthquake is? It'd be an earthquake. It's the highest on the Richter scale because it's going to affect the earth. Amen. Back yonder when, uh, what her name was in New York, and she said we only had 12 years of the sun left. Y'all remember that? I laughed. But you stop to think about that just for a minute. It will turn black one day. The moon will turn to blood or become it. It don't say turn to blood. It says became as blood. We've got to look at that. But I'm saying that will happen. I don't know the timing. But if the rapture was to take place tonight, couldn't be too many more years down the road. He ain't got the seven years after the rapture till the Lord comes back after the tribulation. You understand that? So she may have been more right, she, she, but she's following these other. But did you hear 
Yesterday they said they, nothing to global warming. Did anybody get that? Did you see it? Or did you see it? Said global warming. They, they proved now ain't nothing to it. And I, I thought, and somebody told me that day, and I said, uh, I didn't believe it to start with. God's got it in control. He can shut the sun down when he wants to. He can make it become his blood. He can do anything he wants to when he wants to. It's on his timing, and we are under his authority. And I'll guarantee you, I didn't read in the Bible that the Bible said it's going to shine forever. It's not an eternal sun. Amen. We're going to live with the eternal S-O-N. He'll give the light. Hallelujah. Heads bowed. Father, thank you tonight for the goodness of God. Help us, strengthen us, encourage us, challenge hearts, challenge lives. Lord, help us to think on these things. And uh, Lord, I pray we'll give it some, some uh, a thought. And Lord, may we put it where it needs to may, in our heart and life and hold to it and cling to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, girls.